Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking motivation and discipline. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 70 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring to you an episode all about motivation and discipline and how the two aren't separate, but they are intertwined together. And I want to start by talking a little bit about motivation. Nicole, let's describe motivation. I mean, I think it's the reason why we do things, but it's the reason why we do things. It is. That's literally that's it. That's all very simple. (laughs) So, for example, you're thirsty and you get up and you walk to the kitchen and you grab a glass of water. So your motivation is thirst. And that's the reason why you got up off the couch and poured yourself a cold beverage, a cold beverage. (laughs) So that's motivation in a nutshell. But we've got different types of motivation. So we've Mm -hmm. got extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Now, extrinsic motivation is motivation by an external force like a reward, praise, money, a trophy, a raise at work, a promotion, mm-hmm. right? Things of that sort. That is you are motivated by something outside of your own motivations, mm-hmm. whereas intrinsic motivations are the ones that you do from within. So exercising because it makes you feel good or doing something to improve your life or just doing something because you enjoy it. Those would be things that are intrinsic motivations. And typically speaking, intrinsic motivators are a lot stronger than extrinsic motivation. Like, for example, if you are on your workout program and focusing on your fitness for the benefit of your own health and wellness versus doing it for you want to look better for your spouse, right? That would be extrinsic. Mm -hmm. You're not going to typically really, you're less likely to stay motivated from an external or extrinsic perspective, right? Do you, don't you think that's kind of individual though? Cause I've had some X, what is it? Extrinsic motivation. That's been pretty freaking powerful. Let me tell you. Well, give me an example. Well, something from a job perspective, if I have a position in a job that I want, that definitely motivates me if it provides me more money and it's going to give me more stability and financial stability in my life. That's something for me that's extremely motivating. Well, let me ask you this. Let me argue this. Okay. What if it took you like four years to and you still haven't gotten that promotion, right? Then are you still motivated to the same work? If if I don't get it in four years, we'll see. I set different goals. Right. So if, okay, let's go back. So you tell you're saying to me that if, if something external is motivating me and it's going to take me a longer time to get there, if something I think I'm going to be less motivated. You're going to be less likely. Listen, let's say you love the job and you want that promotion because that's money. I'm talking money. Let's say intrinsically you want that promotion. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, this is my dream job because this is where I see this is what's going to bring me joy and happiness, right? Versus 
I'm doing it for money. Which one do you think you're going to be more motivated with? Well, I think that depends on the person. That's my whole point. I don't think like, so. I disagree. Don't? No, really? There are people that do things for money and it's it's not the end result. It's like, well, yes, of course. I, I'm basically what I'm saying is some people can view that drive to become more successful, whether it be financial, a job title or position for them, whether that makes them intrinsically happy or not achieving the goal itself is a motivator to feel good. Like I got the position and I got there now. I, you're right. Maybe it, that isn't going to intrinsically make me authentically happy. But the fact that I did it, the achieved the goal itself is extremely motivating. And I'm just talking for me like I'm and my point is that it's different for everybody. Could I argue that that's intrinsic in nature because you're talking about just achieving goals and you can you know, the fulfillment that you get from like on a personal level from personal right. growth I, and development. So yeah, that to me sure. would be intrinsic. So but then my point is it, it depends on the person, which one kind of the chicken or the egg stimulates or creates that motivation. How do you know which it comes from? So let me give you the example of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. If you as a bodybuilder don't love the sport mm -hmm. and you're doing it just for a, a competition and a trophy, mm -hmm. It's very different. That is what is going to ultimately separate right. the people who excel in the sport versus the people that don't. The people that don't are going to be like, all right, I'm just going to do a few shows and I'm kind of done with this, even though they're quote unquote, like I'm passionate about this. Yeah, I really think that that motivation needs to come from deep within and you need to love the process. And that to me is the ultimate example that I can think of of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, right? It's not yeah. like it's it's just it's very different in your train of thought as to what your motives are. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Trust me, I, I'm not saying that one is separate from the other. I'm actually saying that I think they kind of blend together and that it is it is both intrinsic and extrinsic in nature to perpetuate motivation is that maybe there are times where your intrinsic motivation starts to fade, but the extrinsic is still there. It's a goal. It's a, it's a, a path to that success. And that motivates you for a short period of time while the intrinsic builds up. Like, I just feel like they can go back and forth. And I'm I sure like that. Maybe there's some crossover. Yeah. In any case, intrinsic motivation to me is really also about finding your why. This is an important concept in really achieving any goal. And I really want to kind of touch up on finding your why, because I really think it's an important topic to talk about when it comes to motivation. And I've had these conversations with individuals when you sit down and you're like, why do you want to achieve these goals? Right. Nicole, we've done that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to achieve these goals? Well, I want to look good naked. And you and I both know that that's there's deeper why than yes. what you're saying. So a lot of times as a coach, what we kind of have to do is dig deeper and try and get you. You might not realize now what that why is, but what I want for you listening to this podcast today is your why is ultimately going to be what gets you to where you're going and beyond. Yes, and especially on the days that you don't want to do things. Yes, and you have to really be in tune with and understand what that why is at a deeper level. So you want to look good naked. Well, who do you want to look good naked for? 
you or a spouse or a special someone? Why do you think it's important that you look good naked for yourself versus the special someone? Like you can peel that in two different directions, right? Well, if it's for yourself, then if you look good naked, then you're more confident. You feel better when you're going out. You feel more um, prepared in life. Like it's you dress better. You present yourself. You feel more confident. Like those layers go really deep. If it's something like if you're really focusing it from just a you. So you want to look good naked for yourself so that you feel better, so that you're more confident, so that you take chances, so that you face your fears. I mean, you could peel that onion all the way back to, well, where did that stem from? What was the first time you ever felt like you weren't good enough? And then you go back up the ladder. I felt like I wasn't good enough in college and give whatever a situational example and that perpetuated you not feeling good about yourself. And then you maybe didn't take care of yourself, didn't make yourself a priority. And it goes up the ladder in the other direction to the point where you're now maybe 20 pounds overweight and you're not feeling good about yourself. So you want to lose weight. The ladder will go up on the positive and down on the negative. And when you start to peel the onion back, it's almost like a seesaw. You can start to see where the imbalances in whether it be your mindset, how you feel about yourself, what the reason is behind the goal, what the deeper reason is behind the goal. And then the bigger questions are, how did you get here? Like, what was it in that path to perpetuating maybe negative thoughts, negative habits? You start to lose the motivation and the scale tips. And then when you start to meet, say we start meeting as from a coaching standpoint, we start to build that that seesaw back up to a little more balanced so that you build up your Um, confidence, your self-esteem, you're feeling better, you're making things a priority, you're creating habits, and you start to go back up the positive side of the ladder. So as that seesaw becomes balanced, I think a lot of the time, motivation, we know motivation isn't something that happens naturally. You have to work at it and you have to do things you don't want to do to continue to take action to be motivated. But the deeper reasons why are what are going to help you understand the reason behind the goal. And I think part of knowing your why, the deeper part of that is understanding where that all comes from and what what are the right questions that you need to ask yourself in order to get back up on the positive side of that. And I think people are afraid to ask those questions. And I think that's from an outsider standpoint where a coach can be really helpful to ask the questions that may be difficult and help you kind help of you peel, kind back peel back the back, onions. Peel back those layers, yeah. right? Yeah. So Nicole, you mentioned that the why is going to kind of keep you doing the things that you need to do in order to, you know, stay motivated. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where discipline comes in. Yeah. Understanding because, first and then discipline. Right. Because this is where, you know, we often think about like motivate. It's hard to just say, oh, well, how do I stay motivated? Mm-hmm. Right. And we need to stop kind of thinking motivation is almost kind of like this fluid thing where it just comes and, gl- and goes. It's something that it's, it's like, okay, well, this is where discipline comes in because what are you going to do when you're not motivated? Are you just mm-hmm. not going to do? And are you just going to sit on the couch and just develop motivation to do these things? This is where the discipline piece comes in. And I oftentimes think, and Nicole, you and I have kind of, you t- kind of talked about this offline, is that w- the way that people view discipline and people that yes. are disciplined, yeah. and it's almost like a negative thing. Mm-hmm. You can't have fun when you go out and right. you always have to stick to a rigid schedule. And if yep. you veer off of the schedule, then it's like the end of the world. And yeah, it's that it's same like, all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Around it's like, discipline. It's like, come on, let loose. Like you don't have to be so disciplined. But 
-hmm. I think discipline is an important life skill. Absolutely. I think the reason why, or at least I've experienced this myself, I don't know, for our listeners, you guys can kind of chime in, but I've heard discipline being pegged on two sides of the fence. Like I'll have people that say, oh, I'm so disciplined. Like it's a, um, what do you call it? Like it's a badge of honor. Like I'm so disciplined. I'm so good at everything. Never stray. And then you have the opposite side of the fence where people are like, I'm not disciplined at all. I suck at life. And so you have the super positive where they hold it as a badge of honor and they really don't have a lot of leeway and fun. And so people view it as an, you know, it sometimes be misconstrued as a negative. And then you have the people that aren't disciplined at all and they're just lazy and pieces of shit. There's never a balance between the two of having a discipline to a point where you still can have balance in life because I do believe that can exist. And then also having a little bit of the, again, that seesaw effect, the discipline that perpetuates when the why becomes a little wonky or your motivation becomes a little wonky. The discipline is that third kind of piece that's going to hold things down. It's like the center of the seesaw. You know, you have those two things kind of constantly going up and down, but the discipline in the middle is what always come back and stabilize those two arms of the seesaw. And I feel like we can't make everything so all or nothing. Like if you're disciplined, you're good. If you're not disciplined, you're bad. There can be a happy medium in between the two to create a little bit more balance and structure. Well, I think oftentimes people are disciplined in some areas of their lives and not in others. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think realizing that you can take some of those skills that you've learned in one area of your life and transition Mm -hmm. them into other areas. That's really where the magic happens. I just feel like it's a a powerful point to understand because this is this is I just see this a lot. Also, Instagram is a big piece, you know, people that are so disciplined, they're so good. People that are so disciplined that are not disciplined are so bad. We always make things the extreme. And I feel like for our listeners, you guys can have a little bit of balance in life. And it's not even just about health and wellness. Like you said, it can be different disciplines in all sprinkled across all aspects of your life and things can be amazing. And you can have really, again, everybody knows I love the word fun and fitness. You can have a lot of fun in how you develop the types of discipline that you want to implement that works best for you and where you are right then as you're trying to achieve the goal. So Nicole, I think I want to get into kind of like the elements or the components of self-discipline. Well, there's four self-control, motivation, persistence, and goal setting. And this is where kind of motivation ties into discipline. Yes, exactly. Because motivation is one of those elements. Yeah, exactly. So let's dive in a little bit deeper on that. What's your definition of self-control? Controlling the self. (laughs) Um, So it's... Oh, wise one. (laughs) It's the ability to control your actions. It's the ability to either stop yourself or, or actually do something when it needs to be done or when it doesn't need to be done. I mean, I guess Mm -hmm. that's how I would look at it without like looking at a dictionary, but that's how I would perceive self-control to be is like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of craving a food, but I'm going to have some self-control and I'm going to eat this meal that I have right here in front of me Mm -hmm. rather than what I'm craving. And then, you know, it's like I tell people all the time, it's, you know, when I'm working with somebody, it's well, if you're craving something, eat your meal first. And then if you're still craving that thing, then yeah, maybe go ahead and have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that self-control is setting those parameters for yourself and eating within those parameters or training within like 
training within those parameters, not skipping a workout, right? That's self-control to me, right? Yeah. So I, that's what I would view as self-control from a fitness standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I think of it about set, like in, in terms of setting boundaries. So it's pretty much the same thing. Boundaries, parameters. Yeah. All right. So, Nicole, let's get into the next one. Okay. Well, the next one's motivation, which we've pretty much set up right out the gate that you need to, you know, that motivation isn't something that's going to come naturally. It's something you have to work at. And the reason why discipline is tied into motivation is that we know that if you take action and that creates results, that breeds more motivation. So taking action to me is where the discipline piece comes in. And that discipline leads to more motivation is what you're saying. Yeah. So it's the cycle of the two. Instead of thinking, I'll just sit here and wait to get excited to go work out. You can't do that. You have to get up and go work out even when you don't want to. And that's where the discipline comes in. That's where setting boundaries come in. That's where, you know, the next one on this list, we can talk about goal setting. Well, so I want to just backtrack because that's where motivation, that's where the ebbs and flows come in. Because even if right now at the moment, let's say you, and this is something I used to do growing up all the time. I would watch pumping iron. Mm -hmm. I I used to watch pumping iron like every day before the gym when I was like in my younger days. And Mm -hmm. I think I had enough intrinsic motivation and the want and desire to continue to do it. And then I developed that discipline along the way. I'd watch pumping iron and I'd be motivated and I'd be like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to crush this week. I'm going to crush all my workouts. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's brief. It's very brief, that motivation. Right. And if I didn't develop the discipline, then when the motivation wanes, Mm -hmm. then what are you going to do? You're stuck with nothing. So I think really that's where the discipline ties into the motivation the most. Yeah. And then, Nicole, we get into persistence. Yeah. Persistence is, I think, one of my favorites of or it is my favorite of this list, simply because, you know, we talk about this so much on the podcast and I say and I talk about it with clients and for our listeners, overcoming failure and continuing to do things, even when the week isn't perfect, you have to persistently show up. You have to persistently be okay with making mistakes. And you can't, you can't just let go because things didn't go the way you wanted them to go one week out of the month, two weeks out of the month, even three months out of the year. You have to continue to keep going and being persistent in that mindset of, all right, it didn't go the best that it could have this week with my food or my workouts, but I'm, I'm going to show up again on Monday. And I'm going to keep going. That type of um, that mindset and drive to just go even when it's not working out the way you want. I'm telling you, this is what makes or breaks a lot of people because some people feel if they didn't overcome whatever, you know, obstacle they had for the week, like we set a goal to lose one pound, they only lost half a pound, God forbid, or they didn't lose any weight and they think this is it. It's over. I'm done. I'm a failure. All the goals that we set, all the motivation that I had, I went to the gym. I did everything I was supposed to. I had self-control. I didn't eat that, you know, whatever. I ate real food. And then they, because all three of those things didn't happen, they give up, they step back, they pull away, and they don't persist over even those small obstacles or what they view as a failure. And then they give up. And that is literally what is going to shut down all progress. Well, I think the problem is viewing it as a failure to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like but you're going to you're going to have ro- to you're going to have road bumps and anything that you do in life is not going to go perfectly the way that you plan it. So once you realize that, then you can realize, OK, well, I haven't failed. 
I just didn't go where I wanted to go this week. So let me, like you were, like you're saying, let me persist and let's see what happens next week or the following week or in the following month. And you have to be able to, like you're saying, overcome those obstacles that I don't even know if I would call them obstacles, but you have to get better. This is why we call it a practice and you have to, you know, it's progress. Each time you learn something about yourself, you are able to persist past whatever the next week challenge comes at you because you're like, okay, I've done this. I know how it feels. I'm going to keep going. And I feel like this one is a big one for, listen, I have some clients that continue to show up week to week and they just stumble over and over, over the failures. Well, I, you know, they'll give me three things that they did successfully because in sessions we talk about, okay, what are, what are your big rock successes this week? And they'll list like four things. And then I'll say, okay, what could you have done better? What do we need to work on? Or what's the next, next thing we have to persist over for next week? And instead of just being like, I only got to the gym once I had a sick kid or whatever the list of things is, instead of just saying it was once, but next week I got a new plan and I'm ready to take it on. There's the self-deprecating. I saw I'm so bad. It was awful. I didn't do it. That whole reel of negativity I think that's I think that's also I think that's also where like I kind of play with words Mm -hmm. where I'm like, what are some I call them areas of opportunity? Yes. So like what were your wins for the week? And I think it's important to establish what your wins are because they make those are the things that make you feel good and you need to look at the positive. And oftentimes we're looking at not what we're doing, but what we're not doing, which is kind of backwards. Like, what did you accomplish? So it's what did you accomplish and what are your wins? And what were your areas of opportunity? And if your area of opportunity was, well, I there's an opportunity for me to be more consistent with my workouts. Mm -hmm. When you flip the dialogue in that way, like we've talked about, it's a positive Mm -hmm. self dialogue. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're encouraging yourself to, okay, well, this is what I did this week and this is how I need to react moving forward. This is my opportunity. I love that. I also feel like you have to face it like, you know, I, I you can spin the word six ways to Sunday, but in in a nutshell, you have to go. I didn't get to the gym. It's OK. I'm going to do better next week. It's great to like sugarcoat the bullshit. But at, at the end of the day, you didn't do it. It's OK. Move on. Persist and do better next week. All right. So moving along in the last one is goal setting. Yeah. Goal setting. I mean, that's I think is pretty self-explanatory with everything that we talk about on the show, but smart goals that you've mentioned before. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic or relevant to you and time bound, depending on how you look. That that R is kind of interchangeable depending on, you know, whose definition. Yeah. Setting goals week to week, setting goals month to month, setting goals year to year, day to day, day to day, hour to hour. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where I really think that you know, oftentimes we look at big picture and we kind of have to take a step back and we we're always looking macro, like what is the big vision? Mm -hmm. And I think that with goal setting, we have to look at taking a step back and looking at micro and okay, well, what are my day to day? And this is why I say day to day, hour to hour, because in coaching, we know what's most effective is setting small, small habit changes over a period of time. And each habit is going to have other habits associated with it. So for example, if I tell you, I want you to eat hundred grams of protein a day. Now I have to look at what's associated with that goal to break that down even further. So you want to eat hundred grams of protein a day. That includes 
grocery shopping for 100 grams of protein a day. That includes cooking and prepping, finding recipes, seasonings, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things that you need to do. And that includes setting aside time to actually eat that. So it's smaller goals broken down into even smaller micro goals that are going to help to get you there. And so those are the goals associated with getting you to your big vision and your big goal, which might be, let's say a 20 pound weight loss or increasing lean body mass by five to 10 pounds. But you have to set those little tiny goals and expectations of yourself along the way and what you are going to do to get there. I think oftentimes, you know, when we think about goals, even when we break them down weekly, like, okay, well, I have a 20 pound weight loss goal. Well, I'm going to break that down to half a pound to 1.5 pounds per week. But the reality is that those aren't the only things like the numbers aren't really the only things that are goals. And it's still measurable if you're looking at, okay, well, my protein goal is measurable because I'm saying I want to eat hundred grams of protein a day. I can measure that. So Nicole, with that being said, with those four elements, self-control, motivation, persistence, and goal setting, I think there are other elements of self-discipline that we need to take into account. Mm-hmm. And one of those is like you said, offline being courageous. And I want you to kind of spin that one for us. Being courageous is just about facing the fear of what you think isn't going to work out or, or the fear of failing. Too many people come in and you, you're talking about playing on words. Someone will come in and we'll talk about, I'll always ask like, what are, you know, what are the things that you're concerned about in terms of not achieving the goal? Like what has held you back in the past? What were you afraid of? What were things that kind of were challenges and roadblocks? And a lot of the times being afraid to step on the scale, being afraid to go to the grocery store, being afraid to work out on the floor where there's people that they are, you know, females are uncomfortable, being courageous and showing up and being disciplined and setting goals and all of the things that we've mentioned. You have to be fearless and courageous and taking on all of those challenges and taking massive action is in my opinion, the only way to continue to work hard to create change in life in terms of health and wellness goals. If you aren't willing to show up and even if it's small steps, even if it's persistence in a, in a, a small aspect of goal setting you know, challenge, if you aren't willing to really jump in with both feet, be willing to make mistakes, be willing to not feel comfortable, be willing to fail and feel a little kind of, you know, I've done things where I felt so silly after I'm like, oh man, I made such a big deal out of that. I was so afraid to do it. And then after, once you accomplish it, you, you think, oh my God, why did I make that? I built it up to be such a big deal and it. So it was nothing. Things yeah, like I, that. I mean, I think that's all, all oftentimes with things like fear, it's just, you know, irrational. It's extremely irrational. And we build it up to be this big thing. And then Mm -hmm. when we break it down and actually do it and overcome that fear over time, we realize like, wow, that wasn't even that bad. No. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like the the courage part, I I say this to clients probably every session, you got to show up and and fight here. Like if you want this bad enough, there's got to be a little bit of a fighter in you. And I think this goes back to what you were saying before about the type of motivation and your why and what you're, what are you really fighting for? What do you have to be courageous enough to face? And if you're not really sure whether, where it's all coming from, it can be really hard to figure out what you're actually fighting for. A 20 pound weight loss goal is, is the surface stuff, but all the stuff in the layers that come underneath that. 
And Nicole, I think the next thing that I want to talk about is uh, valuing your time and setting priorities. And this is something that I'm huge on. And I think mm. this is something that is big when it comes to self-discipline is, are you going to be disciplined with your time and your allocation of time? And are you going to be disciplined with what your priorities are? Because we get all the time you get, well, I want to hit this goal. And it's it becomes like the 40th thing on your list, on your to-do yeah. list. And, and it just gets pushed back and pushed gets, back and pushed yeah. back. And it's just excuse after excuse after excuse mm -hmm. of why you couldn't do it. And the big picture here is that you're just not prioritizing it and you're mm -hmm. not valuing your time enough. Absolutely. I say this all the time. Time management is one of the biggest challenges and obstacles that, that clients face when it comes to hitting a goal. You know, when you walk into a gym, if you go to the gym the same time every day, Obviously, I work in the gym. So when I wake up and I go to work and I step into the gym at 6 a.m., it's the same 20 people. And this isn't just in the gym that I work at now because I've been in the fitness industry over 20 years. So in the three gyms that I've worked in, the same people in the same area, I see the same people that were in the first gym I worked at, then the second gym I worked at, the third gym, and now I'm at the fourth gym that I worked at. The same people in the same area are still at the gym at 6 a.m., every single day or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever their days are. I know I can say hello to them and good morning. I know what they're working on. It's back day. It's a push pull day. It's a leg day. Those are the people that are disciplined and create time management and have a priority that the first thing that they do before they do anything else is get up and go to the gym. It could be the other way around. Maybe you go to work and you go to the gym on the way home. You come in at 5.30 p.m. You see the same people that are changing their work clothes and coming up and, get, and, and getting it done. But Nicole, you don't know how busy I am. Oh, Darone. That's what I hear often. Of course. All no, it's time. not even that. It's it's not just I'm so busy. It's that something pulls them away. It's like if you put a workout in your calendar at 11 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and you are willing to move that appointment to do anything, get your hair done, get your nails done, go to the grocery store, even like then anything. That's, then that's not a priority. It's not a priority, period. Like you, and this is where the courageous stuff comes in. This is where the courageous talk, the courageous discipline and the courageous tough love. You have to understand that when you do that, you are moving the goal that you're trying to achieve further and further away from you. And this is where I also talk about setting non-negotiables. And yeah. I, you know, I get to a certain point in the coaching process where I say, I've had enough as mm -hmm. a coach. And I say, you're going to set non-negotiables and it's no matter what on this day at this time, you have to do it. And I don't want to hear that you didn't do it unless somebody fucking died. Like, or unless you not, did it at another time during the day, but it's no, still got but it's done. not. But it's not. It's not. I'm not even I, I want to do you it. I want it you, done in a certain way. You're not way. even giving. I know because I want you to get in the habit of doing something consistently. Yeah. At the same day and the same time. It's just like you said, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. The people that are there at the same day, the same time, mm -hmm. every single week, if I commit to coming to the gym at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., doesn't matter what time it is. But yeah. the fact is that that's what I committed to. And then that's what I did. And yeah. I have to do that on a regular basis because the most successful people in the gym are the people that are doing just they that. They show up. They They're show prioritizing up. it in their schedule. They're treating it as if it's their work schedule. I can't be late to go to work 
So why am I late to show up for myself for the things that I want? And then the other piece, Nicole, is it's doing it when you feel like doing it versus doing it when you like and not doing it when yeah. you don't. And this is where the non-negotiable part comes in, too. People are often like, well, how do I stay motivated? I'm like, well, that's the wrong question. The right question exactly. is the right question is how do I develop the discipline to do the things that I need to do in order to get where I'm going? It's not about how do you stay motivated? You have to be disciplined to set those non-negotiables, to manage your time, to manage your expectations, and to manage your priorities. And if you're not doing those things, guess what? You might be successful for a little while. You might hit a goal. But in the long run, this is not going to be a lifestyle change for you. You have to set the intent to change your habits and to really have this, this when I look at discipline, it's a growth and development opportunity for you to be a better and more efficient human being. Yeah. Setting goals like that have to be realistic. If you realistically can't commit to three days a week in the gym at 11 a.m., then don't set that as your goal. Try doing it one day a week in the gym and just smash that one day a week for the next 12 weeks. Do it every Monday for the next 12 weeks at 11 a.m. Make that the first step to that being a non-negotiable because that's part of the practice. Like I do like to have some grace in that in terms of, you know, where you're starting from. If you're a beginner in the gym, if you're someone that's, you know, been hammering it out for years, it may be a little bit easier, but this is why it's a practice and why you want to set stuff that's realistic for you. You really got to knock it out of the park and just, you know, make it part of your lifestyle. That's why we call it lifestyle change. Habit change isn't something that you can do unless it becomes a habit and you're actually following through. Yeah. And the other piece is that it takes time for it to become a habit. I know there's like that yeah. cliche saying like, oh, well, it takes 66 days to create a habit. And, you know, I don't know, maybe give or take. I don't know really where that comes from, but it takes time to develop habits. And mm -hmm. oftentimes I'll say, OK, well, set one non-negotiable for you of I'm going to work out three days this week and I'm going to do it next week and the following week and the following week. And then yeah. once you've mastered that, then you move on to the next thing. OK, well, now I'm going to focus on my protein. Now I'm going to focus on my carbs. Now I'm going to focus on my fat. Now yeah. I'm going to focus on, you know, whatever else the goal is, you know, even if the goal is career wise, you want to show up to work five minutes early every day. Like you you need mm -hmm. to really start treating it as things that you're going to do on a day to day basis. And you have to have the discipline. I think it's really interesting. I've had this conversation many times with um, just friends in general. What is the difference between a person that gets up every morning and has a scheduled, a real scheduled morning? I will be open and honest with our listeners that my morning schedule is like clockwork. <laughs> and so uh, you'll know where I am at 6 a.m., 6.15, 6.25, 6.30. Like my morning routine is pretty set. And I really don't stray from it. I think it's a little bit easier because it's just me that I'm taking care of and my two cats. So yes, that I don't have children and husbands and all kinds of other variables that that may pull me away from my routine. But even if something does come up in the morning, I really do try and stick to the three basic things that I know for sure will set me up for success for the day. Once you get used to doing it, it becomes second nature. And then it's, it's literally, I don't feel good if I don't do it. And one of them being having breakfast at home instead of eating when I get to work. Like that's something that I have set as a priority. I have to do it. And Nicole, I think the last uh, piece to this whole discipline thing is understanding your triggers and temptations and initially yes. kind of removing them from the environment. So, you know, when I think of it, I think of it often, in, oftentimes in a food context, 
Mm-hmm. Right. If you know that that's going to be a temptation for you, you remove it for that period of time until you develop the discipline mm-hmm. to be able to have that trigger and really, OK, like it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, I think you and I are in middle ground on this because I agree with you, but I also feel like I've worked with a lot of clients of facing, like you said, building up the discipline is a good way to say it, but also building up the courage to have self-talk around, I don't know, cookies in the house, put cookies in the house, buy a small bag of them, and then work on the trigger that that's something that you are going to have set boundaries around when you're having it, as opposed to removing it and feeling fearful that if you put it in the house, you won't have self-control. So that goes back uh, you to know, the self-control. I, I don't know. I'm, I know. I'm, we'll, we may agree to disagree I'm on big, this one. But. I'm big on removing things from your environment that aren't going to like better. Like, I don't want cookies in my fucking house. <laughs> I don't because I'm going to eat okay. them all. It's OK. I think it depends. It go- this goes back to what I was saying before. It depends on the person. But I do really feel like if you're someone that wants to even work on that, you're a lot of clients are like you that are like, just get it out of my face. I don't even want to have to deal with that. I want to work on my protein and setting my goals and work on all the other stuff first. And then once I get that down, then I'll face the cookie monster (laughs) Um, and and then work on the relationship with food. Sometimes I feel like working on the relationship with food helps to make the other stuff easier. So for me, it, it really depends on the client and what the goal is and how they're approaching it. So I would say that could go either way. All right. So to recap, I think that discipline is, like I said, it's about personal growth and development and becoming Mm -hmm. the best version of you. And I think that it starts really kind of with what is your motivation and finding the bigger why. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be your greatest driver of where you're going when you really have an understanding of your why. So I think that It's very important and crucial if you don't know that why or how to get to it now to really think hard about that whole process. Like Nicole had mentioned earlier is kind of goes up and down that ladder where or down and up that ladder, I should say, where, you know, you're kind of backtracking. And when you ask yourself why you say, okay, why do I want to do this? Well, because I want to look better. Well, why do you want to look better? And just keep going into more and more why's until you find that, oh, well, you know what? I, I, I was picked on as a kid and I want to get, I want to be bigger. I want to be more muscular because I'm insecure because, right. Those are the things that are those deeper whys. So I really want you to think about what your bigger why is big picture other than just surface level. And that is going to be that determinant of like, all right, well, so now I have to kind of turn this motivation into these disciplines that are going to keep me motivated to move forward. Find a way to enjoy the process, I think is super important because if you're not enjoying the process, then that motivation is not really going to be existent to begin with. You, you have to have that kind of, okay, well, I'm doing this for me because it makes me feel good and, and I love doing it. And then also keeping in mind the four elements of self-discipline, which are self-control, motivation, persistence, and goal setting, and all the things associated with that. And with self-discipline comes managing your time, managing your triggers, managing your temptations, creating small habits over a period of time. You have to look big picture, but you also have to be able to scale back and say, okay, well, what am I going to do on a day-to-day basis? What disciplines am I going to practice on a day-to-day basis? Also, I think the really important concept that I often emphasize is setting non-negotiables for yourself. The things that you want to be disciplined in and the intents that you want to set 
you want to make sure that those are non-negotiables for you and that you stick to them and then take the time for those things to become disciplines and for those things to become habits that are going to stick with you for life. And with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 